Hi everyone, welcome to Star Talks by Start Warsaw. In our first episode, we are hosting Christoph Wojewodzic, CEO of Escola. I understand mostly will be international mm-hmm. listeners. Um, wow, so you will both interview me or is it like I'm not <laughs> interviewed by two people? How is it? No, I think we're just gonna have like a conversation together, just basing okay. on the questions. So, I, like, okay. there's no need to be in pressure. Okay. Okay. And tell me a few words about the audience. Uh, is it like because and or the organizations here we have here? Uh, yeah, sure. I will mention a bit. Start Warsaw is a like student-based non-profit organization. And uh, we are uh, trying to foster entrepreneurship in um, mainly in Poland. And uh, our aim is to encourage students uh, to, you know, take initiative and like uh, do something about it. And if they have a, let's say, idea, and we are trying to encourage them to like go further with this idea, like maybe establish a startup or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. I mm-hmm. always support stuff like that. <laughs> okay, great. So maybe Okay, whenever can... you're ready, we can start. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great then. Um I think we can start like uh we will basing on like past, uh present and like future. <laughs> so uh, if we can start from your past, uh maybe Julia, you wanted to start from there? What do you say? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, So our first question from our organization is, how did you decide to study psychology? (laughs) I, uh, you you did uh, quite the deep research because I almost (laughs) never say publicly that I studied psychology. And um, to be honest, it was quite a coincidence. I I was always very focused on two things in my life, uh, professional life. Uh, IT and education and my mother is uh, was a teacher all her life and my father was all his life an IT engineer so I'm totally mixed of two of my parents and my dream was always to be a head teacher or a principal of a school Uh, so I started to study education and Soon after, I always had a dream to to do some extra study on management to to understand it better. And uh, actually, I went for Erasmus exchange that you're, I'm sure all our listeners are quite familiar with. And I had an opportunity to stay a little bit longer and to do a bachelor's degree in psychology, which needed uh, some of extra courses to be taken. But that was always my dream, my aspiration. Because as many people, I tried to go to psychology studies, but I never get through to the University of Warsaw. I just didn't pass the, the final exam. So I thought, wow, that, that could be quite a fun experience. And, and that was mainly psychology of organization. I studied uh, motivational aspects uh, of, of actually students' organizations at the time. Uh, yeah, but... Actually, it's, it was just uh, studying for curiosity because on one hand, you can study for your professional aspirations, but on the other hand, you can study for something that just is of your interest. I, I doubt that anyone is going for 
art or I don't know, maybe some social scientists, uh, social sciences thinking, okay, I will get a really well-paid job, uh, etc. No, you just go there because you love it. And the same for me was for the psychology. I just really was curious about this. And yeah, it was quite an interesting time, but I never worked a day of my life as a psychologist. <laughs> and I'm not aspiring to. It's a super hard <laughs> job to listen about others people others people problems. And uh, although I have very great respect, I would never like to do it myself. So you said that your uh, parents or uh, like your father is from IT. So like that's the reason that you shift to IT then, right? No, no. The reason was totally different. And the reason was I was after studying in uh, Great Britain, uh, this, this psychology studies, I, uh, I get a scholarship to the uh, Southern Illinois University, which was quite renowned at the time for two things. One was, one, uh, was um, great parties. Actually, it was top 10 uh, party universities in the US according to Playboy magazine. So that was one of the reasons. But the other reason was that they had top 10 also at educational administration faculties in the US, uh, which was like more of the reason why I, why I came there, uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, so um, yeah, that actually when that was the time where and when I understood what is education administration and why technology is plays so important role. Please remember it was 2008. So the mm -hmm. Facebook was just starting even in US um, and all of the things was, was really getting the peak. We were just at the breakthrough of two things. First was a great economic crisis just started. So the, the dollar comparing to, to Polish złoty was costed two złoty. You can imagine that how cheap you could get things at the time when I was there in, in United States. Second, uh, Mr. Barack Obama was elected the president. So it was like also a big, big thing uh, because uh, Afro-American community was really excited about this was maybe you don't remember this, but it was uh, a really big breakthrough. Please remember that Barack Obama got a Nobel Prize uh, for being actually there were many reasons but actually it was it was because he was first afro-american president of united states um, and actually uh, i get a phone call at the time from my friend uh, who we were working together on some projects in students organizations and he was very technical guy he designed an algorithm of so-called spaced repetition you can check it in wikipedia that's the thing you, you that was designed by mr pimsler in 60s and 70s but then uh, many people worked on it especially mr Wojniak in poland uh, on how to make uh, repetitions between studying the new things in in psychology it's more known like an ebbing house um, curve so there is the things you tend to forget but with a perfect spacing of repetitions of certain words or, or certain areas you can better understand it and there was he he kind of worked on an algorithm on, on that could make it better and he was a technical guy and he asked me to support him to to make this work on the side of more people and product 
Um, so I became first director in his company, or kind of first co-founder mm-hmm. uh, of this company, which was actually, and, and is till this day, um, first online school of languages. It's called, it's, it's known as eTutor. Uh, beforehand it was English tutor, but now it's eTutor. Uh, and uh, there is also a dictionary called Diki, like dictionary, or you can have some other associations with it also. <laughs> but still, it's the it's, uh, most used uh, language tool for, for, for Polish people. Um, so we worked on this, basically having no clue, no idea what is startup, not knowing what is venture capital, etc., until we got a call from a guy called Michael, uh, who set a company called K2, so biggest interactive agency at time, and a public company. And he said he would like to invest some money to our company. And we said, what do you mean? And he said he wants to be a business angel for us. So we said we don't have time for talking about angels. (laughs) <laughs> and stuff like that and um, to basically him not uh, bothering us anymore but he used some digits to persuade us that this business angel uh, means something also in 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 matter of money that we needed um, to realize the projects we we intended so that's uh, thanks to to my friend uh, and uh, and the ceo of this company uh, e-tutor Pavel I'm, I'm very grateful to him I started my career in IT uh, through the back door of of, uh, of actually doing business and being a director of product I had no idea at time about programming or anything how to uh, be a project manager I had no idea about anything like scrum agile and other methodologies that are super important and and i tried to teach them to my students at this moment Um, so yeah that's how it started then i became a ceo of the the other company of the daughter company and then i get my real shares i I found an investor etc etc and soon the company really scaled up up to like 40 people Uh, so yeah i was if you ask me like was it intended or was it planned not at all and that's also a first lesson I would like to share with, with young colleagues that you actually, you need to grab an opportunity. It's not always you need to be so insightful and find a new great idea by yourself. I, I think I'm totally in the middle of being creative. I mean, I'm not very creative and also I'm not a dull person. But definitely, I'm not the person who comes with a great new idea every single sip of a beer. Definitely not. Sometimes you need to jump on the opportunity, use your contacts, uh, use your colleagues, uh, maybe uh, use some opportunity uh, to, to jump on some great business. And the other lesson is that usually the business at the start seems totally totally disaster i mean a total disaster (laughs) Uh, what i mean is when we started we didn't have much money to it so we needed to reinvest everything we got all the money we got like uh, management we automatically uh, lent to a company 
so it could uh, pay to all the other employees. And we counted every penny to give it back and invest it and invest it. Uh, so that's the second lesson. Don't be greedy at the beginning. I know now that the venture capitals are very generous and can give you a good uh, uh, the good salary at the beginning. But actually, the more you invest at the beginning, the more you get uh, get, get it from uh, from the company in the later stages. Also, it it means that the later you get uh, funding, the more equity you will get, and. Uh, and that's a big lesson, uh, again, that be patient. <laughs> yeah, so I think this is also related with our next question. It was like, uh, what was the first company you founded? And I think like you co-founded the e-tutor and then uh, the daughter company you said. Yeah, the so deal was that I had, I had some, uh, today you would call it employee stock options. So like a promise of, of some shares but mm -hmm. we exchange it to the other company that was at the time called Fun English, later it was called Fun Media, because it came together. It's again a lesson about opp using opportunity and jumping on opportunity. That was the time when the Groupon and all the group purchasing became quite popular. It really boomed. You, you might remember this, the, when people were buying, you know, cheap haircut or restaurants but also e-learning and on one hand haircut you cannot scale up because you cannot you know just cut 1000 people at a time but of e-learning and all the e-services you can scale it up quite easily so to call it in the professional economic term the margin cost of the e-learning is practically zero so you can upsell as many units as you need with practically zero cost on your side. Um, so biggest cost usually is marketing and getting trust of the client. And with the group uh, shopping, you could buy it quite cheaply. And sometimes even people learned about our product and purchased, this, purchased, purchased it later. Uh, because of this group uh, group shopping so it was totally worth it and we scaled up super quickly thanks to that and the organization within two years grew to 40 people that was great energy in the room because you know we started and we changed offices uh, very quickly uh, we had international team of people from germany spain uh, france and we used a lot uh, contacts of our Erasmus students because we needed real actors to teach French, German, um, Russian to, to other students. And uh, it was, yeah, it was definitely a great time. When I see it now, it was not so very professional what we did. And again, no perfect methodology. We used Excel for project management, which was quite good Excel, I think, to, to handle 40 people. Uh, it worked I mean it worked for us at the time and, and I was happy to, to be part of it and I know that many people met together after many years of, of working with this company which means we created quite great spirit of, of growth okay uh, I have a question actually because right now uh, there's a lot of uh, programs with mentoring and did you have some kind of mentor or do you consider 
are just a group of people mentoring each other like in your future <laughs> I'm sorry in the past <laughs> well it's a it's a it's a good question because you have to remember even in 2012 it was totally different time I mean there was no something like startup scene that you have and there, no one was aware about how you do this type of companies well not nobody but very little people knew about it so uh hold on i think i need to add okay. okay uh you will cut it later <laughs> <laughs> so um, at the time there was no like a solid startup scene like you have today Mm, but I had some mentors I, I really I'm really grateful to first I mentioned that was Pavel uh, that was a CEO of a company and he was a very well organized person and what is what was maybe not my very strong um, trait of my character he was very conservative so he was very picky about priorities so when he was focused he really made it really perfect which is quite rare for young people usually young people do many things and it's very shallow not very uh, detailed work but he, he had this trait of being very um, detailed uh, another person definitely was uh, my other partner a business partner Bart on the other hand had great contact with people and he he could he was really charismatic and could create a vision. Uh, and many young people joined our team because of him and him being able to talk them into it. So they were my, my mentors. I didn't have some older guy, more experienced entrepreneur. However, first people, I, I truly learned something, the older people, more experienced, were when we were trying to sell the company. So just two years later, uh, I, I start after I started Fun English. Um, we were, I, I wanted to sell it, and uh, I met some guys who were really cold-blooded investors, and that was rough lesson actually because it's um, you know everything you do business-wise or in life uh, connected to professional life, you can either do because of the passion and you really love it. Uh, you're not looking at Excel. You're not looking on the really just charts of the finance, but you can do it from your pure passion. And on the other hand, you can just be very solid with how to do business, where is profit, where is loss. Of course, the perfect combination is when you can do both. So you can truly have passion and on the other hand, be well organized and i'm sure all the companies that they are doing great yeah like you see i know nowadays hopin revolut or some other companies they're doing truly great or even tesla if you read their stories they're actually a combination of total passion sometimes on the brink of disaster but still there is someone who really knows excel and who really can avoid this disaster so we need to combine those two uh, and this is this I, I learned the hard way probably uh, when there was an investment. Mm -hmm. 
So um, if I can ask, how was your biggest failure that time? Like when you failure? Were, when, yeah. Talking about disasters. <laughs> I think, you know, one, once my professor said to me that, um, Professor Rowski said to me that doing business is not getting success, it's actually avoiding big failures. And I think there were so many failures that it, it would be even hard to say all of them. Uh, I would say that even though nowadays I'm more experienced, uh, two years ago, two and a half maybe, I was on the brink of failure with my current company, Escola, because I hired two consecutive wrong people. And if I would say the biggest failure of in my business in general was always hiring wrong people and not being curious what they exactly do how they do was the impact of them on the on the team uh, i think i'm not the like the nicest person in the world not the person who you want to hug all the time and like there are some people who they're you're instantly smiling i'm not this type of person but somehow i i have a feeling that after some companies I established, and not only companies, because I also worked for the Ministry of Education. I worked at the university uh, as a director of a e-learning department. And um, I have a feeling that in general, I was quite liked by my teams. And my team, it's not that important that I was liked, but the teams stick together. They, they felt the good atmosphere that, that, that we are heading in the good direction that there we are putting our energy and it provides us with effects. And, and I think that if I could find my biggest, uh, like a, a good trait of my character, it would be actually creating a good atmosphere for people to work. So whenever I hired people who spoiled it, who were not involved, who were just sometimes not fair to others. That was always my biggest failure. So you mentioned a couple of times of like team spirit. So you really um, like value team spirit, right? Like you, do you think that it's uh, important for a company to, you know, go big? Yeah, definitely. Because it's also another lesson I can give to young uh, entrepreneurs that all, not only your idea, your idea doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be good, but your team has to be great. Because sometimes to find a so-called product market fit, it takes time. It really takes time. And it's super hard sometimes to, to find a great niche of a product. Because trust me, big companies are looking for the niches all the time. And they are trying all the different uh, all the different methods to just find a cash cow of some of some niche but if you have a great team sometimes you can shift your business what is called in, in economic in management now pivoting and so we can pivot your business towards the right direction and with the right team actually deliver it so just to give you example from my own experience with fun english we were all the time at the so-called break-even point. So the, uh, the profit was more or less equal a loss of the company. 
and it was really hard to get it started. But uh, one day, uh, our chief programmer said that uh, we should try this one, so creating another type of product. And we said, okay, let's give it a go. And we really, really jumped on this with, with great passion. And the ROI, so return of in, on investment with this product was 1000% within first two months. So it means we tenfold made a profit of just, just this one product. And that's how actually we started to accelerate like crazy. And it was totally not an original idea of our company. It was a big pivot because we changed the market of what we were doing. But we, we managed to do it because of a great team we had. And we managed to deliver it because of the great team we had. Same was with my current business. We were like kind of going sluggish slowly uh, for the first two years. And it was hard for us to, to get attraction. But once we get it in early 2019, early in 2019, so two years ago, and we created a team, I instantly felt a, a great team spirit. And great team spirit means we are we all know which direction we're going. And since then I have a kind of a rule that at least once a quarter, so four times a year, I need to align my priorities and, and strategy of a company with the, the core team. And this is super important because sometimes, you know, this type of leadership when you have one guy who's like super great and you have this with Amazon, possibly you have in, in Poland, just join IT with great uh, Piotr Nowosielski. You have it with Michał Sadowski um, in Brand24. But with every such team, you have a, with every such person, you have a team of people who are working together. Sometimes it's just a face you see, but this is not the person who's doing the hard work. Look at uh, Elon Musk. He's like a face of three great companies. Uh, but still, this, every of this company has its own CEO, usually, and also COO and, and management team. And trust me, he's not supervising all of these projects. Uh, they're, they're just great managers. And sometimes uh, his main role is creating this vision and to show people that we are heading to this direction. And, and this is super important for me. And I would like to also give another lesson, maybe sixth or sixth lesson, let's, <laughs> let's keep it this, this count, that sometimes it's not only a leader who creates, who creates this vision. And this was, um, this I learned also in a student's organization called Persona. And we elected our new president of the student's organizations. Um, her name was Asha. And Asha said, uh, you know, there was like time for her speech as in like an inauguration speech. And, and she said, you know, I don't have exactly an idea like how this organization sh should look like. I don't have a vision. I would like to draw it from you. And she started to put questions, uh, to ask questions and uh, to put uh, ideas out of our, to pull ideas out of our heads. And this was the greatest year of this organization ever in terms of growth projects we made. And 
I think this type of leadership, it, it always is in the top of my, is at the top of my mind to not exactly be the guy who is, you know, just pushing hard and working 15 hours a day. Uh, I went through it and I know it's hard and sometimes you can lose this energy and in certain uh, phase of development, you can just, you know, lose the focus or just, I don't know, be sick for two weeks and then the organization has problems. So you, you probably should talk with your team and to draw from the best of all of your people. And as I said before, I'm definitely not the most um, like compassion person, not the person who you could really be the nicest with. I'm not also the angry guy. I'm just, I would say, totally in the middle. But I know that, for instance, in Escola, our head of project management team is one of the most uh, um, like a people person I know. She is the psychologist, sports psychologist. She has great, she's doing great workshops. She knows people very well, etc. So we build our like a people person in, in the organization on Monica and and uh, same for for other guys on the other hand our head programmer C chief technology officer is not the person who is like super with people but he's great with technology and he <laughs> he is he can talk discuss with uh, another developers uh, so yeah you need to you need to try to structure it properly and because and and build on the strong features of everyone so sometimes school wants to and the university wants to kind of avoid traps of your weaknesses but in my opinion sometimes it's better to build on strengths of yours so don't try to be i don't know if you are probably if you don't like running okay just don't try to run but try cycling maybe cycling is the thing you like and it's and serves quite similar role Mm -hmm. that's really a really important lesson i think for everyone because i think these days people are trying to fit in the like let's say perfect personality they are trying to be sportive they are trying to be i don't know social but some sometimes you don't need to try that much i think exactly you cannot be the best in everything for instance i'm not the perfect person of remembering names it's it's very embarrassing, but I very often meet people and I don't remember the, your first names, not mentioning the second names. Mm. So it's hard for me to be a good salesperson, for instance. The only way how I can do sales is that people come to me and call me with certain things. So I try to write good articles. I try to take part in conferences. I try to share my knowledge. So it's kind of my credo now. To share knowledge that's why i'm here with you guys and if other people see okay this guy's probably uh, saying interesting things um this guy probably knows the matter on how it works people ask me questions like how to do this app or that app just to give you an example today morning uh, i had two calls one was regarding uh, how to organize user experience in, in one of the applications. I, I don't really know, but I could 
more or less help how to do it. And I also was called by, by a teacher who asked me how to make a, a curriculum of, uh, of teaching in the high school. And I gave him some piece of advice. He, he, he will not become my client probably, but he will say to other people, okay, Chris gave me a nice piece of advice. And with word of mouth, probably I will get a client from it. Probably not, probably yes. <laughs> but um, I truly believe in this old style way that you need to share knowledge. You need to give to receive. And of course, we are, we are what we sell is knowledge and skill of our developers. So that's what we try to share as well here. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about Escola before. So if we can go back and can you tell us more about Escola? Like what is it about and like how, how was it founded? Mm -hmm. So Escola is a software house, but now it's more of the venture building house. So what we do is we we use the power of technology to create products. And we are associated a lot with uh, education and universities. So yes, we have, we, we have lots of universities that are our clients, mainly for mobile apps. So the apps where you can see your grades, your, your lectures, how this uh, schedule of yours looks like. If it looks really nice, it's probably you're using Escola's app. If it looks nasty, that's probably some other sub. Uh, that's that's uh, what we are known <laughs> of. But on the other on the other hand, uh, we do we do lots of other projects. Uh, we were uh, quite um, known for the Auckland mobile app. So the app, thanks to which you can contactless pay for for the gasoline at the Auckland gas station. Uh, also, we do two banking apps at the moment uh, and two other financial apps. So finance is also the area we are quite strong at. We did some games as well. Uh, so lots of um, things in IT, mainly in mobile apps and, and web services and that we try to to have an expertise so we don't do hardcore integration of sap erp uh, etc uh, because mm -hmm. it's 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 too complicated for our scale we we are a team of 50 people at the moment and how it started uh, of course it would be great to to tell you that i designed it and i had a strategy and clear picture in my head at the beginning of course totally not <laughs> uh, I, I think it was lesson three to use opportunity and actually use uh, the opportunity that comes to you even in the most unexpected moment. So it was evening um, of, I think it was spring 2016. My friend called me and said he wants to sell Escola. I said, yeah. How is it doing? What was the revenue? How was the team? And um, yeah, basically, I I bought this company quite quick. And uh, then at the party, I said to to my colleague that I just purchased this company and I would like to go more into the software development. And he said, "Okay, let's join." So 
that's how he helped me for two first years he was the main person who was leading it so big hello to Przemek mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah exactly so it's, it was total coincidence and just jumping on the opportunity I had this gut feeling that IT sector and having own software house might be very good business but when I see it now for first two years, I totally couldn't realize the potential. I just, it was, we were too small. Uh, we were just building our reputation. We had no proper marketing. And after two years, it was the process of learning new business. And now I can say I'm kind of midway of understanding how the business of IT services, IT outsourcing works. And yes, we in, in 2021, we got like hell lot of calls from prospect clients like, can you do this? Can you do this app? Can you do this website? Can you do this service for me? Can you do this marketplace? Can you do this omni-channel app, etc., etc.? So for some reason, I understand this reason is delivering good products in a certain time. People by word of mouth, started to um, say Escola is doing a good job. And uh, we spend very little money, almost none for uh, commercials, for ads. I mean, it's to, to give you the exact exact number, it's our, around 1000 zloty per month that we spend of all advertising, uh, mainly trying to promote our product uh, for uh, cats and dogs we we try to to create a, a portal for it and that's it so uh, i think it's mainly it's mainly recommendations of our clients mm-hmm. so maybe we can also talk about the funding of escola i think um you used uh crowdfunding beast fund right and like mm-hmm. it was very successful by by that time yeah, from today's perspective, I would say first one was successful. Second was second one could be much more successful, but um, still we reached our goal, which was to first promote the brand of Escola. And I remember people saying why they are doing this. Why can they, I don't know, go for a debt loan? for from the bank Mm -hmm. but we had the clear reason in our mind and i learned this lesson from uh, from group shopping that people on the other hand they buy your product but on the other hand lots and lots of people are aware of your brand which is sometimes more important than actually a flow of money to your account and therefore i find it a very successful move because thanks to that we got 350 ambassadors of our brand even though if someone uh, even though someone buys just one stock which uh, costed 70 zloty it's still uh, some some sort of association that we have some sort of relation and in case someone asks you like which software house do you recommend i have this technical problem to solve like which one would you recommend any or the, the one that you purchased one stock and you 
probably spend some time to to buy this stock to understand like what they're doing you are in their facebook group or you get occasional email like how they're doing etc so yes i think um it was a good decision all although it it needs some time to you know serve all these people because there are questions and and people of course want to make profit out of it at the end but i think it was quite a unusual way and and what is kind of rule of thumb um, good way is to go quite unusual way in business because there are some ways that are super crowded let's say let's take uh, marketing on linkedin now everyone is saying okay you need to do this marketing on linkedin and ask people questions and go into discussions and and send uh, like, i know some requests and offers or do email marketing of course it can be very effective but everyone is doing it but on the other hand for instance podcasts or video podcast what we do at the moment is not that crowded yet it will be probably in three five years but it's more complicated to do it you need to organize a guest you need to design questions etc so therefore it's probably sometimes worth to go harder way uh, before the others join yeah and that's right so for the young entrepreneurs uh we would like to ask you that like which one do you recommend like crowdfunding or venture capitalists like um there is no there is no i, I advise you to join my lecture and i'm doing the next uh, semester which is mm -hmm. on how to uh, how to find funding and how to pitch startup and i'm doing okay. this 20 hours classes the next semester at kuzminski university I, I hope some of it can be recorded and i can share it or at least slides uh, if you mm -hmm. ask me later i will share slides uh, with you with your that will be great yes <laughs> uh, because it's not the thing I, I can answer you in in one or not even 10 minutes mm -hmm. it all depends on organization yeah uh, i'll give you an example hopping is a online conferencing tool and they i think started in 2017 or 18 so quite recently for a startup but come on pandemic came and then they went like crazy and if you ask me like should they crowdfund and spend so much time to organize people and some people don't understand like what's crowdfunding in this type of organization hell no this is typical the thing, uh, the type of organization you need to rapidly scaling, rapidly. I mean, they, they, they. Uh, I've heard acquired Streamyard for two hundred fifty million dollars. So it means some investors needed to put this money in them, for them to being a small organization to purchase uh, Streamyard, right? So, so hoping needed a, a millions of dollars on their account to scale up their uh, first day servers to be able to serve all the conferences they were doing second to scale up their their support because if you have 2000 conferences a day that happen on your platform it means you have you need to have great support it means you need to have great developers and architects to scale up your your software instantly so you you basically need hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital money now. 
same for if you think about Revolut, so a company that helps to to with the financing services mm -hmm. and easy exchange of currencies. Now many more uh, services they have. So you need lots of money to to have kind of a backup of money. So you basically need a big funding. Um, and same of for most of the organizations and venture uh, venture capital. If the business is understandable, if the business is quite predictable, like marketplace, software as a service, usually it's uh, great to, to have money. But someone put the biggest amount of money into them and they had the greatest idea for it. I mean, they, they realized their potential. Same for Airbnb. Did they have competitors? Do they have competitors? Of course they did and they still do. But they became really the, the main player. If you ask me for Netflix, if there is an alternative of Netflix, there is HBO, there is Hulu, there are other organizations, but some other, for some reasons, they get the best funding and they realize their potential. Uh, if you look at the more competitive areas now, like uh, there is Pizza Portal, there is Uber Eats, there are some other alternatives, but they are super competing now over the food delivery service. Same for, um, Taxi alternatives, you have Freenow, you have Uber, you have Bolt. They are still competing and you cannot compete with Uber or with Bolt without $1 billion on your account for promotions, for bribing, quote unquote, bribing <laughs> taxi drivers to become your drivers. You just need huge capital because you cannot say, okay, we will be offering nicer um, handling of transaction or nicer user experience of than uber no if you're more expensive than uber you have zero chance to to outcompete them so yeah there are some areas when you when where you need big big funding now and there are some things that crowdfunding is super helpful like i noticed in poland every polish person wants to be uh, co-owner of a brewery so all the breweries in poland now go for crowdfunding because polish people have some sentiment uh, over having a brewery and they buy this stock and they get this one to ten bottles in exchange plus discount to this brewery and they're very sentimental uh, same happened over radio free and five seven so the app we co-created uh, with the great team of journalists that that left radio number three in poland and and people who are listening to this radio were super sentimental and this is for me quite quite surprising people pay money uh, to to support them and it's about uh, six hundred thousand dollar is, is what uh, polish water per month every month so it's around twenty thousand supporters on average for these water which is a lot because you can listen this radio without supporting them yeah. uh, but just people want to be part of this something big and i read what people are writing on this facebook wall and like how they relate to this app and i said you you don't have uh, you don't have listeners you have followers i mean these people are just are just following you like some kind of deity like uh, god a little bit 
Uh, they are really, really committed to this idea. And uh, it's super difficult to create such an organization or a membership model sometimes. Now it is quite popular uh, in 2021 to create this, this small micro community. Like they created community of founders.pl uh, this year. Uh, so people who are founders of, of companies of rather small size, but they support each other, they get, they get trainings, and it's not very expensive to join this club. I'm myself uh, part of the club of Warsaw Society of Fellows. It's also an entrepreneurship club. And this is, this is the thing that, that, that we need as people to create small communities. Sometimes they can grow for really big communities, uh, like I don't know, Business Networking International, BNI. Uh, but people need to, to belong. We are just a tribal society. We need to belong to someone. And, and crowdfunding is a way to belong to, to something and to commit it with the, the thing that is, that is really true. I mean, time and money, this is the thing that they're very limited. So there is no answer whether to take venture capital money or crowdfunding. I would say crowdfunding is more difficult way of getting uh, the obtaining the capital but on the other hand the the, the biggest plus of crowdfunding is uh, that you will people will be, become more aware of your brand more aware of what you are doing they will ask you open questions and you need to open to openly answer them and this uh, grants you also trust which is today's most value currency for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, if you would invest in a startup, what would be your uh, evaluation criteria? Mm. First of all, I, I, I ceased investing in startups just uh, for one reason. I, when I invest, I always invest not only with money, but also with my time. Mm -hmm. And I invested a couple of years ago with a company and that was the biggest center of 3D printing in Poland. And I knew how much time it costed me of mentoring, of meetings, of looking for partners. Uh, so what I do now, there are some startups which I support, like there is VR learning of Tomek Kalinowski that I always try to, to support. And he even offered me some stocks, but I refused not to feel obliged to, to, to help him not to be defocused from my company, Escola. Uh, but answering this more of a theoretical question, I would say definitely the team would be the main criteria, as I said before. Mm -hmm. uh, because there are very little ideas now you can create. There are still some ideas. But most of the young people I meet uh, during, because I'm, I'm doing a little bit of lecturing every semester. So most of the young people are very enchanted and in love with some brand new ideas like blockchain, like artificial intelligence. But most of you don't have, don't stand a chance against Google, uh, Amazon, Microsoft when we speak about big data and machine learning you you need to have really great idea to to be able to sell it 
and usually through technological uh, advantage because they will always have bigger data for blockchain i mean the the usage of this of this system is quite well known now and it's all goes to speculation marketing and looking for some new new use of it so it's it's really difficult to to outperform other players um, but still as i said young people are very enchanted in this new technologies which is good because out of thousand one two people will find something truly great and, and a great breakthrough but still there is a lot lots of things to do in a very traditional technology um, like as they said marketplace or software as a service there are still so many niches that you can find uh, let's take uh, insurance uh, industry i mean this is they are not very striving for a new technology they usually would like to have an offer and give it to their clients they have lists of clients and they, they give it so it's very easy to create a, a software as a service program that would enable it to do it easier faster another example is to uh, digitalize kindergartens it's quite obvious that kindergartens are not the places where there is a big tech, uh, technological breakthrough but parents would like to know what their children are eating um, what classes they have even though that they are not proper classes but still so you need some sort of technology to support communication with parents especially nowadays in time of pandemia uh, pandemic so um there is a, a software called inso there is software called LifeKit. they're making great progress nowadays with this niche and i could i could give you dozens of other mm -hmm. examples of taking traditional uh, sector and make it a, making it more uh, modern more digitalized but not with blockchain and artificial intelligence but just with the thing that to take a hair uh, dresser uh, and and uh, or a barber shop and making the guy not to use notes and shifting to using his mobile phone on her mobile phone and that's what booksy is doing just you don't want to you know scratch on paper like that anna reserved for three o'clock on tuesday and then she changed her mind one day ago but she's shy to call again Plus, you don't need to waste your time on calling on the phone because you are focused on your client, especially if you're a small uh, point of service. And exactly the same, and, and that's what Booksy is doing. And exactly that's uh, for our plan for, for our <coughs> app for uh, veterinarian services, that you want to be focused on, on this servicing animals, dogs, cats, turtles, hamsters, not taking the phones and answering questions and making reservations for your services. It can be done through technology nowadays. So there are lots and lots of little things that can be fixed. Uh, another example, if you go to any office, usually you get some silly card, plastic cards that is easy to, to be lost, that just you use it uh, on the entry and then to use it to the elevator 
this is so absurd. I mean, why wouldn't you use your mobile phone to, to do it? And that's what some startups are doing at this moment. And that's super useful. That spares time, that spares plastic. It's hard to lose your phone. Everyone keeps it in, in your pocket. Uh, so yeah, there are so many areas of innovation that come from daily struggle. I mean, if you, we recently did a, a machine learning program that would read digits on the refrigerators for the big chain of, uh, of shops and also with their storage areas. And the machine learning component was the easiest of it. I mean, come on, to digitally read uh, digits is super easy for even cheap mobile phone. Of course, we've trained this with a little bit of Keras, Tesseract, or any other open source uh, program or uh, library. So, of course, people would say, oh, wow, you created a machine learning program, blah, blah, blah. No, it was like the machine learning was just the tool, like a hammer, like, uh, I don't know, a saw, uh, whatever, uh, just hammer and nail. But the most difficult part was to know where to nail this nail with a hammer <laughs> and and to, to talk with client, like, what's the reason for putting this nail? And, and trust me, usually in business, it's much harder to, to find how and which nail to, to nail with a hammer than to, to actually do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you have mentioned uh, managing time. And do you have maybe some kind of technique how to manage time? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a thing that's really, really quite important for me. To to be honest, because I was I was fascinated with the time of managing time since I was maybe 15. And I and I read a book of Mr. Mr. Lacan, uh, how to be manager of your time and your life or like boss of your time of, or your life. Um, and yeah, there are some techniques of prioritizing I'm using. Uh, the most common now I'm trying to use is the Ivy Lee technique. So every day I try to plan for the next day five things that they are most important to be done. So I try to remain focused because, because of the social media and all the rubble that is around us, it's quite easy to lose focus. And also lots of things are now directed by algorithms. So, you know, once you go to YouTube, it's easy to lose two hours. Like, I mean, tell me who of you didn't have such a problem. <laughs> uh, and for every one of us is a different type of loophole that YouTube or Facebook is taking us. And, and each of these holes is interesting. It's, it's really good algorithm. And not always very good for us. I mean, to to watch, I don't know, new cars for two hours or new skirts or new type of fitness for two hours will not get you much closer. So I try to be very picky about this. And of course, I love to spend time. I love to, to watch, like for last three weeks, I watched like 10, 
maybe 15 hours of YouTube of a journey presentations of different guys on the long trails and, and I truly love it but it was the thing that I planned so kind of I'm not going into this loophole just by coincidence I just know that at 10 o'clock p.m when I'm done with my stuff and the kids are sleeping I can enjoy watching some of the YouTube and um, and I try to use this Ivy League technique you can uh, Ivy Lee it's L-E-E -E. Mm -hmm. uh, you can you can check it on Wikipedia. So it's the guy just came to the company and said, "I will I will make your company working better, and you will pay me as much as you wish." And I think they paid and and they, they he used this technique. So asking like, "What is the six most important things you are going to do tomorrow?" And of course, not always your you're going according to the plan. So sometimes you do three, sometimes you do five. But that motivates, you, that motivates you to do the certain things, not the others, and not to get involved in the some things that they are rapidly and give you uh, instant satisfaction, like answering all the emails. Okay, that's great. But that uses a lot of energy. So, yeah, I'm trying to always have a list what what's to be done tomorrow. And I have also the list that's called, so that the first list is called today. Another list is called tomorrow. So the things that are not super urgent, but I would like to do them if I have an extra time in this day. And there are the other list is called later. Uh, so I'm trying to go through through those lists because sometimes you have energy, sometimes you don't. You know, I have small kids, so sometimes the nights are quite rough. So the next day I'm not that productive. I wish I was. So naturally you need to take this into account you know, if your students sometimes can be a party factor that can impact your next day. So don't expect of yourself to be a Robocop and to be always focused. Just uh, be brave to tell yourself, I have this list to be done, but I will do it with my own pace. But these things, it's not random Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. Okay, thank you for your answer. Um, do we have time to ask questions from LinkedIn? I, I think our previous uh, president Bogdan asked like a couple of questions. Yeah, let's let's go with like 10, 15 more minutes maximum. Okay. Okay, so. okay great. So he asked that um, how to estimate the development cost for uh, your app idea for non-technical founders. Oh, this is actually quite easy because we get. <laughs> very lot of uh, we get lots of such questions mm -hmm. and you know our role is we make business out of answering this type of questions so making estimations mm -hmm. so do a one pager so describe how your app should work or make an excel the best is to do an excel with a list of features so as a user i can register as a user i can log in with linkedin facebook and google account as an administration, I can delete account. As a an, uh, user, I can, I don't know, open this and this feature. As a user, I can do this and that. If you make such an Excel and you, you just list lots of features on the perspective of user and on the perspective of administrator, because please remember that we programming it, we need to take care that you can, I don't know, delete account or like moderate a comment, this type of stuff or add some 
extra items to the app. So if you have such an Excel, you send it to some companies that, that they are dedicated to doing mobile apps or web apps, whatever you need. And I'm sure if you send 10 emails, you should get three, five estimations. Of course, some will say, okay, this is probably a student because we, we do some screen uh, background check and we, we, we try to look like who is asking. If it's a more of a credible source, probably you will get more, un you, you will be more focused. But still, even to the, the people that probably don't have a budget yet, uh, we, try to, we try to give an answer and most of the other companies, I'm sure that will support you with that as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Um, he also asked that, uh, so what kind of tests, sh tests should uh, founders run to predict future unit economics so see if it's like financially viable in the first place? So if you wanted to learn that um, before starting, if it's going to work financially, it's going to be like profitable. I, I, like, I think it's almost impossible to predict future. And I, and I said <laughs> twice in this discussion that you should jump on opportunity. Of mm -hmm. course, it's worth to observe some trends that are important. Like no, I, I said artificial intelligence is quite an important trend. And I'm, I'm more than sure it will transform our lives mm -hmm. uh, in terms of some of the jobs will be hopefully unexistent or at least uh, much more ambitious than they are now. To give you an example, uh, Escola does some invoicing. So we invoice our client on base on that we get paid, but we also buy things. I don't know if you look at this microphone, it costed, I don't know, let's say 500 zlotys. So I get an invoice for it, sometimes in paper, sometimes as electronic, and then I send it to my accounting. And it's hard to believe, but still most of the programs don't automatically take this invoice to the system. Someone is either copy pasting it, that's the most usual thing, or if you get a paper invoice, which is star, star, still quite common, if you go to IKEA, MediaMarkt, whatever, you get a paper invoice. You need to, like, literally, someone is typing on the computer, like, FV slash zero two slash uh, two thousand twenty one slash o forty seven. This is so absurd, and this could be solved with AI today instantly, but it is not. It is totally not. And uh, that's, I think, should be changed in a very short time. I hope uh, simultaneously autonomous driving and some other stuff could be, could be solved. But this is not that easy as many people think. I mean, there is also, uh, for autonomous driving, for instance, there is so, um, much social things you need to decide, like... Um, what should car do if there is a choice between losing your life or crashing with some other driver or pedestrian? And this, no one will take responsibility for it. So you need to take this on yourself. And that's just this ethical issue stops a lot autonomous driving. Uh, and there are many things uh, also in diagnosis of uh, AI supported diagnosis of our health of, of uh, different health issues that at the end that should be a, a human doctor that decides so uh, 
it's worth to observe trends, but it's more important to be able to detect opportunity to know people who are smart and do business with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead, Julia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Uh, also on LinkedIn, there was a question, uh, what app you would like to have, but it does not exist yet? Oh, that's like a very good question. Yeah, hmm. yeah I had this idea this night. Yeah, I, I have it. <laughs> it's um, maybe it's not an app, but it's a. I think I, I'm, I'm surprised it's not existing. But it's a very personal thing. I mean that um, waking up of children during the night is such a bothering issue for all young parents. And I mean, we have painkillers. We have come on, we have now this drug for COVID developed in one year, but there is no way how to put asleep your children and probably should be some, some way how to, <laughs> how to support mothers, especially, and, and fathers as well, uh, in, in this. And, and I'm quite surprised with this. Even when um, ladies are giving birth, now there is painkiller for uh, giving, uh, giving birth. So there is, it's, it's still super hard, but, but there is some support. So there are still, you know, very primal things that they are unsolved. And for the app that I would use uh, now, I think uh, there should be an app that, that, that should be AI-based, that I could filter my music properly based, for instance, on the, um, uh, who, is, who is using it. For instance, I, I like to listen to the music, but I hate when there are swear words and I'm listening with my child. And you know, there is still some nice music I want to hear, but you hear bitch or fuck time to time. And you know, like why there is no like an adult content filter for music? It it would be such easy thing to do because you have voice recognition on quite a good level now. And if you ask me like for the app that should be created and could be created technological wise, and I'm sure Spotify would buy you for like $10 million (laughs) instantly if they are not working on it themselves. I mean, this adult content uh, or like this you have in in movies, PG, um, three, PG, six, PG, 16. uh, So this parental guide, you should have some such a thing for music. And I'm quite surprised there is no such a tool. Yeah, they. I think they add the word explicit or something like that mm-hmm. sometimes, but not on every single uh, song which has some swears. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So such a filter would be, I, I would pay for such a feature because sometimes I'm even, you know, walking in mountains and I love to to go over long trails and listen to, to the music. And when there is like some beats, coming that uh, you know starts swear words that destroys my atmosphere of nature <laughs> a lot so just create it i'll be an investor okay let's think about it <laughs> <laughs> okay so i think we can wrap up right so we don't want to take much of your time <laughs> Okay, pleasure to talk to you guys. I hope some of the advice uh, was helpful for you. And um, in uh, March, uh, please uh, give me a shout and I will share with you this uh, presentation I'm doing and a set of presentation on Mm -hmm. how to finance startups 
and how to make a um, uh, successful pitching. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you for your time. It was really a pleasure and we really enjoyed the time. So uh, like hope to see you again, maybe in real life as well. Yes, okay. thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. Have a nice Bye -bye. day. Bye.